Ms. Wonky Tonk, how you doing? Hi, Glenn. I'm well. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Very well. I, I love your hair. Thank you. Absolutely love it. Mine <laughs> mine was red, and it's it's kind of like faded out. So um, yeah, it's it's I love, time. I see the light shimmering through it. It's got a strawberry <laughs> tinge. Yeah, it does. It does. I, I was trying to get closer to your color, but it just it doesn't work with my hair. You know, it's like a, getting a little bit older. So, you know, the gray comes out right. and, you know, gray doesn't dye very well. You would think it would, but it doesn't. Interesting. I wonder, I have to do some research on that. I feel like it's like some sort of porous situation. Yeah, it I could be. It very uh, well could be. Yeah. I need to pay attention to that, though, because that's planning for my future. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, that, that's a great place to start. Um, what is your history? Like what? I, I've read a few interviews with you um, and, you know, listened to a couple of podcasts you've been on. Um, but I, I didn't really get a sense for your history other than you're originally from Kentucky. Right. I mean, there's not a whole lot out there. It, so. Interesting, interesting notion. I love that about in your email, how you're like, let me do some research and get back to you. And I love when that happens because someone's caring about their art form enough to care. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Uh, the past is an interesting thing. I feel a little bit like um, stories. I try not to tell stories of the past because it somehow roots me back into that. Um, but I am from Kentucky mm -hmm. and I've done a thousand bajillion things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, what, what could it be? Let's see. I mean, I've, I've, I went to Morocco and I was, uh, right out of high school because I love the movie Almost Famous and, and mm -hmm. said she needed a new crowd and so did I and Morocco was not the place for me. <laughs> right. But why not though? What was it about at Morocco? It was a very um I'm I'm a feeling type person and so I don't really ask questions. I just go on gut feeling and figure it out. And Morocco as a 17 year old girl was a real, um, quite an interesting experience, which ended up in a little bit of a held hostage scenario by this fella named Mustafa. Oh my God. Really bonkers. It was during um, the World Cup when Shakira was singing Da Na 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 Africa, and it was in South Africa, and it was. Uh -huh. um, so that was this thing that was on all the televisions that sort of threaded everything together. But I remembered her voice being on the TV and not knowing if I'd ever see anyone again. <laughs> wow. Were, were you solo or did you have friends or something with you? Um, there was this fella, this Frenchman named Kevin, who I met on a Delta airplane. He doesn't speak English and I don't speak French, but mm -hmm. uh, we had we had met up in France and he had gotten a, an old ambulance that we drove from France mm -hmm. to Africa. So I was with him, but that was an adventure of itself. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. And was that your first time outside of the U S it, it was, I had moved to Denmark for business school 
and then just was traveling around and hit Morocco for a little while because of Almost Famous, but it was my first time out of the country yet. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I imagine your, you know, your parents or, or family and whatnot were, uh, like, what the fuck is she doing? Like, this is, you know, this is, this is kind of insane, right? And there's, there's a thrill to that. Yeah, I think, though, that's been my entire life. And so at a certain point, very early on, they stopped asking questions. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I love it. Telling them. So it's just kind of operating in all these different worlds without really having them communicate. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then, you know, I, obviously I'm skipping around here, but I know you, um, you were locked down in Ecuador for, for some amount of time. Yeah. What, what happened there? Like, first of all, why, why were you in Ecuador? And then second of all, um, how long were you stuck in Ecuador? Oh boy. Uh, I went to Ecuador because I got really, um, bamboozled and burned out on music the music industry mm -hmm. the with that was a little bit of depression and i had a dream and the ecuador the equator was kind of just this place that called me and i went to this tantric yoga shamanic school mm -hmm. in ecuador and uh Two weeks before I was supposed to fly home, COVID hit real big time and the whole country shut down. Um, wow. Very like, so we weren't allowed, we weren't allowed to leave the house. It was like you could leave for two hours out of one day per week per household in order to get wow. what you needed. And it, it was, uh, so I was there for, I was supposed to be there for three months and I ended up being there a year. Wow. Yeah. And you were obviously able to support yourself somewhere there, right? Yeah, which was um, really the most fantastical part of it was that I work in production. So I do art mm -hmm. department for commercials and photo shoots. Um, and so with COVID, this very experiential in-person school was shut down and I was stuck mm -hmm. there. And so we turned it on into an online school. So I was able oh, to wow. produce, shoot and edit all these videos to help with the content. And so that gave me food, a place to stay and money as I was stuck there, which I don't know wow. if there's a better scenario to be stuck anywhere during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Especially, I mean, and Ecuador is, you know, cheap. So, um, it's not a bad place to be if you're, you know, stuck somewhere and, and making, you know, U.S. level salaries like that. That would be great. Yeah, exactly. You know? It was it was quite the experience. <laughs> wow. Um, so when, when did you actually when were you actually able to leave Ecuador, like uh, relatively recently, right? Mm -hmm. I got back uh, in mid-October of 2020. So. Oh, okay. Wow. It, I've been home for a while now and I'm still, I'm still adjusting. It's a weird, right. it, it wasn't so much culture shock going there, but coming back in the midst of pandemic and just all kinds of 
different things uh I'm, it's an adjustment we're all adjusting right well yeah yeah i assume you speak spanish then right um yes and no i took <laughs> eight years of it in high school and college so wow. i got really good at hearing it but in kentucky it's kind of like uh if you're speaking spanish in kentucky you're trying to start a riot or something <laughs> so you couldn't so really practice speaking and so going to ecuador i i got to under i could understand but i still to this day can't really speak but luckily wow. we got to a point we understood each other <laughs> yeah i imagine you know like um spanish with a, a kentucky accent probably <laughs> sounds really strange to them right they're like what what language do you speak like it sounds like spanish kind of yeah. <laughs> but you know what is that exactly you know? it was fun we we incorporated it and they had fun with it especially mm -hmm. playing um uno uno oh, was wow. at the time but would always be like you know like blue is azul so be like azul and just kind of country <laughs> of country find everything like uno dos trace and they they <laughs> they started speaking in that accent which was <laughs> embarrassing oh, so funny <laughs> yeah oh i love it i love it um so i i assume you got what you you wanted out of ecuador right i mean and 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 more right um having been there for nine times or i'm sorry three times longer than you than you thought you were going to be nine times would have been great too oh um, okay i feel like it's a gift that keeps on giving every day i'm realizing something more but i think one mm -hmm. of the biggest things is that i something something happened um in that school and in that moment of of unlocking something in my voice and mm -hmm. so now i'm able to sing more freely it's like mm -hmm. a it took out the block of the business part and took me back into myself and so every day now that we're in the studio recording and and just creating and co-creating it's really interesting to notice those things because it's kind of like all of these lessons and it's like planting all these flowers but forgetting that you did and then and mm -hmm. along the way be like oh that's what that was you know so wow it's beautiful did did you do any recording while you were there um i did a, a few live streams and i did a lot of just what i call demolicious so just mm -hmm. videos um and putting like found footage to them but uh we tried a few sort of cross-continental collaborations but mm -hmm. even that was fun but um not so fortuitous or fruitful um right. but now it's it's interesting I, <laughs> I feel like it's a little bit of um creative i think i'm excited about the summer for everyone because it feels a little bit like creativity blue balls you know mm -hmm. yeah Everything. no absolutely <laughs> i can't wait to see the mess that happens <laughs> yeah i mean i i'm hoping that's what happens um but um it's, it's also possible possible that we don't get to that point for a couple of years which is you know terrifying to me yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of my friends, you know, make all of their money from, you know, something related to entertainment. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and they're all basically fucked, you know. Um, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, if... Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, if, if, if nothing's open and your job is, say, you know, security or sound or something like that, like, you know, there's no way to make money. Right. You know? And, you know, the old fallback, which is, you know, go to work for a restaurant. Well, if they're not hiring either. So it's like, you know, what do you do? Right. You know? Um, so I, I feel really, really bad for, for my, my friends who are in that, you know, in that industry. Um, you know, I have, I have a couple friends who haven't worked in a year and a half now. Yeah. You know? Or not a year and a half. A year, I guess. I guess it's only been a year. Um, it feels like an eternity, right? <laughs> it does. It does. And I, I miss live music so much. Yeah. You know? Um, but then again, a lot of that is is nostalgia. Because um, the last several shows I've been to, I end up leaving, you know, halfway through. Because I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm, I'm done with it. You know? Like, yeah, it sounded great. Um, but I'm not staying out until 2 a.m. anymore, yeah. you know, so it's changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do hope that we're able to recover at some point. I just, I think it's going to be a little bit longer than what most people think it's going to be. I think so, too. I think it's um, ripe for, I feel very much like it's Vietnam era of, of, coming out of the shadows and, and the creativity that comes from all of the unrest, all of the things happening. And I feel, I feel like it, it, it will come back. And what I, what I've noticed is more and more people who aren't necessarily in the entertainment business or music are also missing live music. Right. And then the people who do play it, I think are remembering the medicine of it more so that they can't and don't get to play out and these things right. that we really take for granted and it becomes like a job and it becomes the ego and it becomes this other thing. And so I really feel like it's connecting everyone back into whatever's going to happen where maybe it's, I my grand vision is that it's like basement shows again or like Dick Van yeah. Dyke in in the parlor and four people just performing and and this like the community of it but the the raw and the real and not just going mm -hmm. to see the bar band and that's awesome but then that's there's theatrics about that and even just mm -hmm. booking a lineup where it's all punk bands it's like that's awesome but if you throw in some other sort of variation within that that has a punk mentality, but it's like some sort of reggae, and then you've got a DJ and this moment that makes that night mm -hmm. not seem so long, and maybe you would stay till 2 a.m., you know? It's uh, definitely. So um, I'm, I'm primarily from Seattle, I guess. I mean, I've been in and out of here for longer than I, I care to admit, um, like 35 years. Um, but always in and out, you know, um, and one of the things I, I loved about Seattle in the, you know, late eighties, early nineties was these weird shows that would have, 
and and trust me, I'm I'm getting to something here, um, where you'd have, you know, a punk band and you'd have like a cover band and you'd have like you know a quote grunge band and you know whatever, all on the same bill, yeah, you know, and then that kind of died out a little bit, and um, about four or five years ago, I was um attempting to manage and I'm, I'm going to put that in air quotes manage um a band and they were it's hard to put a genre in them but anyway they they were from from the early 90s here in seattle okay and i put together a show with two other bands and none of the bands were the same at all like it was like this random assortment and people either loved the shit out of it or they hated it Yep. You know, um, my, my buddy, Jim Bass Knight, who's a, uh, um, one of his first bands opened for, for the Ramon shirt first show in Seattle, for example. Right. Yeah. But he's like very power poppy. Mm-hmm. And then I had kind of a grungy sort of band play. And then Sky Chris Mary, which was the, the other band play. And one of our local newspapers said, something along the lines of, and I'm exaggerating and paraphrasing, but basically like what fucking idiot put this show together. Yeah. Right. And I was like, that's me. I'm that idiot. Right. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's, it's hard now to even sell, you know, a couple hundred seats, you know, for a show. Definitely. And you know, there's really no money there. Like there, there's, you know, uh, you might be able to get a guarantee of if you're super lucky, maybe, maybe 2000, right. Which is like very, very hard to get out of a bar. You know, you're more like maybe 300. Right. And that's if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, sometimes you're lucky to just get paid period. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe some, some warm beer and a, you know, a tostada or something, you know, but other than that, you know, you're, you're pretty much fucked. Um, and my experience with that was dealing with a band that used to sell out, you know, not stadiums, but they would sell out, you know, two or 3,000 seat, you know, venues. Um, and suddenly I'd have to explain to them, mm, you're going to make like 500 bucks if you're lucky and you're going to split it four ways or five ways, right? And they did not like that. But I was like, that's reality. Yeah. You know, um, and there's nothing I can do about that. Right. I can't negotiate better because people are like, well, we only have 200 seats. Like, it doesn't matter even if you sell it out. You know, it's 15 bucks a ticket, let's say, um, which is super high. Most of them are like 8 to 10. Yeah. There's only so much money to go around. Exactly. You know. Um, and I think that's also, you have a band like that and you have an industry like that. And I think you have something like COVID right now and those any of those people are happy to see music or play it. Don't matter right. if there's 200 people or they're getting paid or not. And I think that's the magic of it. And you fucking idiot for booking that that lineup is the thing <laughs> is everyone has an like everyone has their point of view. Everyone's mm-hmm. gonna judge something. But I will say they either loved it or hate it, but I guarantee 99% of them remember it. Right? Oh, yeah. No, there's and, no doubt. And that, that, I think that's what the art is, man. It's like, well, did you remember? You gotta take those chances, and some people will love it, and some people won't. And 
beautiful so thanks for doing that <laughs> well thank you my my experience with that was was pretty interesting because i you know set up the show and then um seattle is a weird music city so nobody buys tickets until like the day of the show yeah right so i think we pre-sold like 70 out of 200 and it was really depressing all the way around and so I decided I'm just going to buy all the tickets. So I did. I bought like 50. And just so it seemed like it was sold out. Yeah. And then the night of the show, um, I was basically either, you know, selling at cost or giving away, you know, these tickets just to make it, you know, full. And in hindsight, that was a really stupid thing to do. But I did it anyway. And... You know, it ended up overselling. I think we ended up with like 220, you know, total out of a room that supposedly, you know, held 200. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it worked out. But um, my, my second wife fucking hated me for that. She was like, did you really just spend $500 on tickets, right. you know, for, for a band that you're supposed to be making from, you know, money from? And, and yet, you know, you're, you're buying all these tickets. Um probably had a lot to do with our our divorce but um neither here nor there um and the whole reason i started talking about you know seattle stuff is um you mentioned in one of the interviews i, I read i forget where it's from um that modest mouse was one of your favorite bands <laughs> yeah no one ever talks about that part it's like country <laughs> so, so here's my story about modest mouse okay all right i'm listening <laughs> in the in the very early 90s they were a group of of suburban kids just outside of seattle from issaquah which is a um kind of a, a you know hoity-toity suburb right like it's it's whatever and these kids tried to be um grunge right because it was that that time of seattle music and they were <laughs> fucking terrible i mean they were so bad and i lived right around the corner from this venue that they would play in all the time and every time they'd come on i'd be like oh fuck they're one of the openers so i'd go outside and you know like smoke weed or whatever for for an hour you know waiting for them to finish because they were so bad yeah and then fast forward a couple of years and i had moved out of seattle i'd been gone for a while and suddenly I see this, I think it was on, it was on a, on the radio or something like that. And I hear, you know, oh, that's the latest from Modest Mouse. And I was like, what is this shit? Like, it doesn't even sound remotely what they sounded like before, you know? And so I can't listen to them without hearing that, right. you know, smug little, you know, suburban punk rock, pretend punk rock, you know, punk rock shit. Yeah. Um, and I still to this day, I cannot listen to them at all you're not you're not alone in that <laughs> it, even when johnny marr joined and and he's like one of my favorite guitarists of all time you know i was yeah. like i still can't listen to this in fact it's worse <laughs> you yeah. know like I, there's there's no way i can listen to this shit um but yeah i just i thought that was really funny you know um and and everyone around at that time was like these guys aren't going fucking anywhere. I mean, like, they suck. They're horrible. Right. You know? 
Yeah. Um, and then they came out with that almost like, uh, fuck, I want to say almost like they might be giant sort of like, you know, the funky, ding, 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 you know, like what, it's like, what, right. what, what is this garbage, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, exactly. They're, they're the masters of garbage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I've finally gotten to a point where I can kind of listen to them, um, yeah. without, you know, running for the bathroom. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, I understand why people like them. I personally am just like, no, you know, they just rub me the wrong way. Yeah. Um, good. They're doing what, something. <laughs> well, you know, somebody can argue that, that if, if, if a band has a, if it invokes a visceral reaction in people, then, then they're actually doing something very good. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like it's like Bob Dylan for me, right? Like I, <laughs> that's exactly what I was just gonna say. That's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, his voice makes me want to just. I mean, I, I can't think of anything that makes me angrier in music than his voice. Yeah. Just it makes me crazy. I agree. <laughs> but yet, covers of his songs are incredible. Yeah, you know, like uh, Mike Ness doing "Don't Think Twice," incredible cover. Um, ministry doing, you know, Lay Lady Lay. Um, so he writes these songs that are are good. It's just I can't stomach him, <laughs> right, at all. <laughs> it's. I love that you brought that up, though, because that's exactly uh, in college. I had a class called it was Rock Doc. We just watched rock documentaries, and mm -hmm. the first one was this. Uh, I think it's called. It's not. Don't look back. I can never remember the name of it, but it was like touted as the very first American rock and roll documentary. And it was full mm -hmm. black and white gritty film following Bob Dylan. And I fucking hate Bob Dylan. <laughs> but then I watched that and I love Bob Dylan because of a similar thing of Isaac Brock of they're just, they're just the most pure and genius douchebag assholes and they're really like <laughs> consistent in it and so their mentality behind it and the way they kind of just i think they're just so intelligent that it's like why wouldn't i fuck with all these people and so it could be it's feeling more in this punk rock vibe of just like just getting one over on all the fuckers right and right. but then in the meantime really having if you're consistent in that and that's who you are then that's the feeling that I love about Modest Mouse or with Bob Dylan the same way because mm -hmm. until seeing that part of him and his essence, it was like I can't I can't stomach any of this music. And now when I hear it, I just hear his his staunch badassery, you know, which is right. it's interesting that there's so many elements to a person, let alone an artist. You know? Yeah. I mean, he definitely stepped outside of the boundaries of what was acceptable, right? To for a an acoustic person, right? Um, and there was, I'm sure my friends are going to kill me for this, but there was, there was some punk rock in there, right? Yep. I mean, at least in the attitude. Yeah. Um, exactly. I can't believe I just said that out loud <laughs> where people can hear it, but um, good on you. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, it is true. It is true. Um, and I want to talk about John Prine, too, in a little bit. 
Um, because I think he had the same sort of thing going on. Yeah. Um, but at least he could sing though, so that it's a little bit different. Yeah. Right. Like I can actually listen to a John Prine song and go like, oh yeah, no, I I can you know, I can tolerate the you know, the lyrics I'm I'm sorry, the vocal, you know, aspect. Yeah. Um but you said something a little bit ago. Um, and I realize this is a, a total jump off, but my my girlfriend had a long time ex, <clears throat> like thirteen years of off and on stuff. And you probably are kind of guessing where I'm going with this. His name was Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so, in in listening to your stuff, I immediately just like. You know, I, I I think I had a playlist of your stuff on Spotify, just like playing in my headphones. And first of all, you know, the song starts off, it, it's really, you know, catchy. And then I started listening to the lyrics and it was like, holy shit. And I, I actually texted my girlfriend and I said, babe, somebody wrote a song about your ex. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she listened to it like five or six times Amazing. texting me back and she's like oh my god my favorite line is everybody fucks up sometimes but brian fucks up all times she's <laughs> like, this this was written for him right <laughs> and we were just laughing so hard and especially the very end um i remember you said a, a few minutes ago something about therapy right and and the end of that when you're like this is like therapy and she's like it fucking is it's exactly like therapy and then she's like he's a total narcissist right so he, she's like i want to post this but he's going to see it and he's going to think i care enough to even post it right yeah. which is not not the case it's more of just like making fun of him right you know oh my god we laugh so hard good yes yeah. Yes. <laughs> perfect. The song strikes again. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's perfect, and 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 you know, uh, you know, pardon me for saying this, but it's it's definitely the breakaway song on that album for me, That's right? Good. Like, yeah. Um, in fact, I was just listening to it a couple of hours before you know we started this, just because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's kind of therapy for me too, because I'm like, you you never want to think about your your current exes right like no matter what you just you know and especially for me this guy um it's a long story but um, <laughs> yeah so exactly so listening to it is like yeah okay somebody else see that sees that he's an asshole okay perfect <laughs> right even though it's not about him <laughs> um it, it's it's fun to pretend it is yeah good you know? um <laughs> Yeah, it's just I I did see something where you were you were talking about that and you're like, well, I don't really want to talk about it. It was just somebody who was involved in my life and that really fucked me up or something along those lines. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, that's that's how one feels about an ex anything. Right. Whether it's a, you know, an ex, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend or a bandmate or a worker, so whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't even want to talk about them <laughs> you know like, there's you know the song kind of speaks for itself exactly the emotion is there <laughs> yeah. so i have to ask has this brian person heard said song and if so 
how did they react? <laughs> That's a great question, and I have no idea. Oh, um, okay. Mostly because it's a it's just a sound guy, you know, curmudgeonly, mm. uh, sound guy, and <laughs> and I don't I don't know him, but as a as a full band, we just during band practice after doing this one show with mm -hmm. this guy Brian who just ruined everything. <laughs> it was in our blood so much that we just kept in all band practices just singing over and over fuck you Brian and it turned we just <laughs> it felt like we were being like third eye blind and Hanson and Blink 182 or just like how do we but it was fun because it was uh, up until that point had been any sort of anger or sadness towards anything had gone more into this like sort of song and mm -hmm. and it was this turning point where it's just like you know what fuck that guy <laughs> i love it i love it it's a, fun, it's a fun anthem when we play it live that's what everyone says afterwards they're always like fuck that guy <laughs> so good. He, you know, and he's 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 probably some just like a random dude at a shitty bar somewhere, like yep. who doesn't even know that people are like you know singing along to the song, like yo, yeah, well, yeah, fuck you, Brian. Yeah, exactly. I, I think at the end, um, you hate Brian after you listen to the song. You're like, yeah, yeah. No, I don't even know the dude, but fuck him. Right. Right. Well, that's why it's called Everyone's Got a Brian. <laughs> yeah, Everyone, I love it. Whether they're named Brian or not, you got a guy in your life like this yeah. person. <laughs> that's so like, funny and just like your just like your girlfriend it's kind of like i never we've never i because he's a local was a local sound guy and it wasn't mm -hmm. about creating drama which is why i didn't want to talk like it's about this guy right right no no of course not but this realm is if he ever heard it he would know it was him you know and mm -hmm. that's and that sort of part, like your girlfriend being like, well, I don't want to like spend this extra energy letting him know that he's got a song about him. Like right. he's a douchebag to even get that. Like just let it be this thing. And maybe one day he'll realize, oh, I remember that show. <laughs> That's so funny. You know? And the fact that it's not about a relationship makes it even funnier to me because <laughs> it, it comes across as a relationship and yeah that's even better it's just some random dude you're like nope dude your sound sucked so we wrote a song about it yeah right <laughs> um it, it it reminds me of of um you know many years ago when alanis morissette was first you know starting out and i remember a, a friend of mine turned to me and said i'm so fucking glad i'm not her ex-boyfriend yeah right yeah. i mean just like can you imagine that like th this album that's just like fucking brutal you know yep. towards you know whoever has fucked her over and it goes like you know double platinum right and you know you'd be that you'd be that guy sitting there listening to it and thinking this entire album's about me i'm a fucking asshole <laughs> right <laughs> you know or, or like carly simon you're so vain which is probably the you know the you know the king of all of those songs yeah. um yeah just knowing that would be like I mean, that's revenge enough. You know, like you you don't even <laughs> And so that that part is the part that fuels it. Anytime that I do anything now, I just imagine like, 
someday when Oprah interviews me, who's going to have to eat their own shit, you know? I <laughs> <laughs> love it. And I don't have to explicitly put that out there. It can just be the energy of it. And those people know, you know, right. and like, that's all the energy needs to put in there. But it, that, that sort of feeling is universally human, right? Just right. of people and what the, your reaction to them and so on and so forth. And that's, I love that. I love that. And I, I think for Brian, that was the band people, everyone, list everyone eventually does what i want to do but they always are like i don't uh. so this record it was like let's put brian on there because brian was like i said all we would do like we would leave band practice and we'd always just like that'd be like our nightcap you know it's like you guys want to play brian it's like and it was just for us and then i was like let's put it on this record i love it <laughs> and like Ooh, I don't know about that, Jasmine. I think it's perfect. It's oh, a perfect so art. <laughs> so funny. So you just you just mentioned your real name. So um here's a question for you. Okay. When you're on stage, do you identify as wonky tonk or do you identify as Jasmine? It's a great question and it's definitely wonk. Yeah. Uh so I've created, I need Jasmine, Jasmine is me, right? Mm -hmm. And then Walkie Tonk is my superhero, you know? Okay. And then I can get up there and put on my boots and then I'm a different person. But if it's like open mic or something and they're like, Jasmine, come up here. It's like, I can't even, I can't go there. Hmm. And now Walkie Tonk needed a hero. So I created Charlene Davis, who's a little bit of a wow belly mess. So Charlene's behind wonky and Jasmine's behind it all, right? So, but it's this fun. How do I play with that? It's and so fun. It, it's it's really fun, and it means more outfits. Right? No, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I I haven't seen you live, of course, but I would love to. Um, and if 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 things ever open up again, then I'll, I'll bring you out to Seattle because I think you'd have a lot. You've had a lot of fun out here, a lot. Um. <laughs> But it, it sort of reminds me of like, you know, Alice Cooper, right? Who, who just, he actually became his character, right? And that was it. Like everyone knows him as Alice Cooper, right? right? Exactly. Um, and, you know, for, for a long time in the, in the mid-70s, when he really went through, you know, a bunch of shit, um, according to him, he, he kind of lost his own sense of identity. Like he became Alice, he was no longer Vincent. He was Alice. And I mean, to the point where one story I read said somebody actually called him by his real name and he didn't even respond. Like it wasn't, yeah. you know, he, he's Alice. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's, and that's. A, it's an incredible. I mean, I feel like that sort of thing happens and you have a Joker man and who became uh, what was his name? Heath Ledger you know, becoming the Joker so much mm -hmm. that he lost himself in any of that method acting, which I think is interesting because like when you asked earlier, um, do you want to be called Jasmine or Wonky? It's like mm -hmm. two different people. Like I was Jay Lorraine. I can tell what part of me someone saw by what they choose to call me. And it, it helps mm -hmm. keeping things straight, 
<laughs> but then also, I think for me and not Alice Cooper land, Wonky Tonk has, has uh, just like helped me realize that Jasmine is Wonky Tonk. It's just like all of these, they, after a certain point, you don't need, you don't need the magic cape because you've always been able to fly. And so right. it's been this fun thing where it's not a con like this weird um, convergence of identity, but everything just proves itself, you know, like, mm -hmm. like science and religion, science right. proves God, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <Is that> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah. I've, I've had a few characters in my, in my head that I, I like to be every once in a while, you know, Perfect. not so much now, but you know, my early twenties, definitely. Yeah. There was, yeah. there was a, a Glenn that was one thing and Glenn that was another. Yeah. And good. It, it's kind of fun, you know? Um, what I found though, is that I would end up in situations where, um, I would have completely separate groups of friends that I would hang out, you know, depending with, you know, depending on, on how I felt. Um, and it was always very uncomfortable when I'd have like those groups meet together. Right. Cause I, I'm, I'm this thing over here, this character, and then I'm, you know, another character over here. Right. Yeah. And so that was, that was always a little bit awkward. Um, it's interesting to me because I feel like that's, that's probably why you made those those sorts of bills those music bills right like satisfying all those elements where yeah. i if it gets uncomfortable again i mean i think that's that's a growth and sometimes i found that my friends of all the different persuasions when they meet each other they're just like whoa this part <laughs> of the world exists right it's not like glenn who are you i don't know right. you anymore it's like what are these people <laughs> yeah. fun it's it's uh, I, I think part of that and and this is probably why why you and i kind of feel the, the same sort of way about this is is um i spent a, a decent amount of my adolescence in a tiny little mountain town and i fucking hate it like I, I i threatened to kill myself like just anything to get me out of here right and i felt that way for for years and years and it's only in say like the last maybe decade and I'm like, okay, well, there was some value in, in that, right? But I, I couldn't see it, right. you know, and I did everything to get away. Like, I mean, I, 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 you know, lived all over the world. I, you know, refused to go back, whatnot. And then about 15 years ago, I guess, I, I went back for the first time. And I was like, this is actually really beautiful. This is a nice place to be. The people aren't nearly as bad as I remember them to be. Um, done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I remember um, I was married to my first wife at the time. Yeah. I've, I'm, I'm bad at marriage. Um, and I remember saying, hey, we should, you know, like buy a building here or something. You know, cause it's super cheap. And she's like, fuck you. We're, we're not doing that. <laughs> like, that's just not going to happen. You know, but I was like. You know, I mean, at that point, you could buy a building for, you know, like 30 grand. You know, it was the size of like a city block. Wow. It's like, yeah, think of all the fun we could have here. And she's like, yeah, you could do it solo, right? You could do it by yourself. I was like, well. Was that the same one that didn't like 
that you bought 500 no, tickets? No, that was wife number two. Like I said, I, I, I'm bad at marriage. <laughs> um, it's a hard thing. I don't think that's a real thing to succeed at. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It, it's really, really, really hard. Um, and I think my acceptance of that finally was good for me, all in all. Yeah. You know, it's like, I probably will get married again, um, but uh, it's got to be a sure thing. I mean, as much as something like that could be a sure thing. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Sorry, didn't derail you. Your mountain town and your city black building. <laughs> Just go back home in all the glens. Yeah, well, I mean, I still think about it. Um, and my, my current girlfriend, of course, is like, no, 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 no. You know, like she she won't even leave, you know, Seattle area. She's like, you know, anything that that's remotely or potentially, um, well, Republican, basically. She's like, no, <laughs> I, I won't even, you know, think about it. Yeah. Um, whereas I don't really care. I mean, I, I mean, I do politically. I'm, I'm, you know, extraordinarily, you know, liberal. Um, but I don't care if people around me aren't. I mean, I really don't. I just kind of like, eh, you know, kind of shrug them off. It's not that big of a deal to me. Um, but a lot of people can't do that. They get, you know, super angry mm -hmm. about that stuff. Um, and actually, here's a good question for you, Jasmine. So you come from Kentucky. Um, you're in Ohio now, right? Is that... Uh I'm in Kentucky now, but it, mm -hmm. we're, I'm right over the river. So we go oh, okay. to Cincinnati. That's right. See, I always forget that. I always forget. It's like, you know, it, it's like the first time I was in Nashville and um, I was meeting some music industry guys and one of them said, oh, I got to get home. But earlier in the night, he had said he was from, from Huntsville. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know, first of all, Huntsville, like, fuck that. And he's like, well, I still, I have to be there an hour. I can wait another 15 minutes. And that's when I first, it first dawned on me. I'm like, I'm 45 minutes from fucking Alabama. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's like, even though I knew my geography, it was like that. That's just, that's so weird. It is. I think that's a big part of the Midwest where all of, you've got all of these very big cities or um, at least it, energetically big cities all within an hour two hours of each other whereas mm -hmm. i think west i haven't made it to the west coast for touring for that similar reason of that if you're not in that region then it's four five six seven hour drives between energetic cities and here oh, yeah. you can go 15 minutes and be in a whole other yeah or the realm of people, places, things, and right. yeah, Nashville, <laughs> Alabama, I, Cincinnati, yeah, I, Kentucky. And I, I love Nashville. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite cities on the planet, um, despite it being right next to Alabama. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that totally blew my mind. Yeah. Geography's um, bonkers like that. It's, I, I, when I'm on tour, especially up north, in uh, Wisconsin and Michigan and Iowa, it's going up the Mississippi. I went on a boat with this person that showed me all. It's like, oh, that's here and that's here. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is 
those are hour drives and whole different worlds in my mm -hmm. head because of the way you bounce around for tour. But then being on this river, realizing mm -hmm. that I've always been just across the river from everywhere I've ever gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very yeah. bonkers realization. Yeah. One, one of my, my best friends um, lives right on the Iowa, I'm sorry, right on the Iowa border in, in Illinois. Mm -hmm. And he and I used to have this joke when we were like in our early twenties that, you know, someday we're going to, you know, we're going to buy a building in, in, uh, what was the city? Dubuque. Just because we like to say the name, you know, yeah. like, eh. neither one of us had been in Dubuque. Right. And then he ended up living, you know, like fairly close to Dubuque and I'd go and visit him every once in a while. And it was only this last time I went to visit where he's like, let's go to Iowa. You know, and I was like, okay, yeah, great. You know, and of course he had been there multiple times because it's literally right across the Mississippi River. Right. And it was so weird. I mean, just going across that river and you could feel it was entirely like Illinois and Iowa couldn't possibly be more different. Yeah. You know, and we we went to this little place to get some, some seafood, which probably not the best fucking idea you know since you're in iowa, iowa but <laughs> you <need> um <laughs> yeah and it, it, we're not talking crawfish we're talking like you know real seafood you know like okay well the closest ocean is you know a thousand miles away but anyway so we showed up there and he's got you know like you know dreadlocks down to his ass he's a professor but he still has you know like these long dreadlocks and whatnot and i showed up and you know, I've got all these fucking earrings and uh, luckily my nails weren't painted then, but, um, and I think my hair was normal color. So, I mean, it was mostly okay, but, um, we basically looked like, you know, mutton Jeff, you know, in this, in this place. And it was like, um, at least for, for people in Davenport, Iowa, it was like a, a nice place. Right. Um, cause it was right. And it is nice right on the river, but, um, the way that people would look at us was just like, who the fuck are these people and why are they here? And why haven't they left yet? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, and I think, I think I ordered like my, my third vodka soda or something like that. And the waitress kind of looks at me like, God damn it. He's not going to stop. Right. <laughs> he's just going to, he's going to stay here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, <laughs> oh, it was, it was hysterical, you know? And, I swear to God, they charged us like three times what they should have. Yeah. Right. Just because we're, we're not from there or whatever. Like, I don't know. Right. Um, and I'm sure my buddy will, will think the story is bullshit. Cause you know, his, his viewpoint was obviously different. You know, he had been to Davenport, you know, a bunch of times and I was like, this is so fucking weird. I mean, it's so weird. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I had a really hard time just adjusting to, this part of the world actually exists right exactly like america right yeah so you're exactly. like, this is this part's the america part which is interesting when you're driving on tour and you get out of the van and you feel the weight of the city you're in and it's like how the hell am i here it's like right we gotta sing songs to these people right. <laughs> and and generally though um because now there's a place, is it in Davenport? We call it Dubuque Dubucky. 
debauchery. Always, I love it. <laughs> it's always debauchery there. Like we ended up with somebody's coat and cell phone in, in a hotel and getting phone calls from all, it was a debucky man. <laughs> but Davenport is where Daytrotter is was mm-hmm. and this whole other new it's like the you know that was a little bit of a pitchfork west coast sort of momentum within right heartland of america so there's gotten to be there they're still not used to weirdos coming through but it's uh you get just kind of like with your perspective of um politics they kind of are like all right we're used to this They'll be gone tomorrow. We won't cross the scene. I love that so much. When I first went to visit my buddy, who's who's uh, he's in a town called Rock Island. Yep. Which is yeah, which is extravagant. Uh, yeah, I've I, I've come to like it a little bit, you know. Like, and I've gone out to visit him like three or four times. Um, but the first time I was out there, um, I was going through my first divorce. And so not feeling so great, you know, and, and he's like, well, I have to work, but there's a, a bar, you know, like a mile away. Yeah. It's like, fuck, you know, the first thing I do, of course, being a city boy is like, do they have Uber out here? No, they don't. Okay. Fuck. Um, do they have cabs? And I finally found a cab company and it took him like half an hour to get to his house. And then of course the ride was like, you know, two and a half seconds to get to the bar, but that was all I could do. And there was no way I was going to walk. Anyway, so I go and I sit by myself at this bar and I had my headphones on and, you know, just kind of like feeling sorry for myself, you know, like going through the divorce and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then really feeling sorry for myself because all I see is like, you know, Budweiser advertisements, you know, everywhere, you know, throughout the bar, um, including pictures, <laughs> my favorite, a Budweiser banner that had a picture of a guy with a rifle and a buck slung over his shoulder and it's a Budweiser after a hard day. Right. <laughs> it's like, fuck man, where am I? Hey, you this, know? This. <laughs> yeah. So I had my headphones in, which, which is very antisocial, especially in that part of the world, you know, where you, you talk to people. Yeah. Um, and so I finally took my headphones out and the bartender who was this lady, probably about, you know, 80 years old or something like that. Super, super sweetheart. It's like, what are you listening to? And I could tell, like, she regretted asking that question, yeah. right? And I said, without thinking, I was like, who's Skurdu? She was like, you mean like the game? <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, what, why did I even say that? I should have just said, you know, I don't know, you know, Liberace or something like, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, they were just laughing at me like, that's that guy that listens to funny music. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's funny music. Um, but I do okay. I do okay with the redneck guys, you know, like just uh, having grown up in, in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. Um, I'm just thinking. One yeah, of the it, it, things out there. <laughs> yeah. It, it takes a while for me to warm up to it. But once I do, I'm like, you know, hey. And the one thing I can always say is, hey, I grew up in a mining town of a thousand people. Right. And they're suddenly they're like, oh, you're OK. Yeah. Right. You're OK. You know, forget the earrings. Are we like, you're OK? Yeah. You know, and and, you know, after being called faggot so many thousands of times, it just kind of like rolls off like it, it's almost even not 
an insult, I, I you know, it, it just becomes like, okay. Right. I always go, thanks for noticing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, if you think about it, it's not that much different than, than what I just said, calling them, you know, fucking rednecks, right? right? I mean, it's it's that's their way of dealing with the outside, and my way of dealing with the outside is calling them, you know, um, and I'm not condoning it actually either way, but, um, it's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. Um, but people are, yeah. but then you communicate, right? So then if you can communicate even to that point of being able to say, Hey, I'm, I grew up in this mountain town, the mining town, then it's like, Oh, boom, here we go. Like now, now, now right. I met this redneck and actually they're, some of them are pretty cool. And I met this bag and he's pretty cool. Right. That's right. Part of, like, right. Exactly. Birds are. And so that starts to evolve and then doesn't even become a bad thing for them to say in their head. Right. Like, right. It's just yeah. another essence, the punks, the middle yeah. head. Right. Like, exactly. Not saying exactly. It's all the same and like should be held that way. But I think it becomes just our, as humans, we have to put things into a category in order to understand them, to hold them. Otherwise, it's just like, what is this, right? Right. No, I totally agree with that. Um, and that's something I, I don't want to get too deep into this because people lose their fucking minds when you talk about this stuff. But um, I don't necessarily entirely begrudge people who, who feel the way that some of these, what I just called rednecks, feel. Because you don't, you have to understand where they come from, right. Right? right? And I can say that without saying what they say is okay, because I don't, right. I don't think that. I just say, yeah, I mean, again, you just have to understand where they're coming from. Yeah. You know, and, and they're using the words that to them best fit their viewpoint of, of like who you are. Right. Right. They don't, they don't necessarily know. You know, um, the, the little town I grew up in, there were two black people in the entire county, right? And there's a county of like 20,000 people. Um, and when I, when I moved to Seattle, still pretty white. I mean, Seattle's extraordinarily white. Um, but, but <laughs> right, right. I mean, huge to me, it was, you know literally 500 times the size of the town I grew up in, right? Um, but by the time I went back there, you know, maybe a decade after I'd moved away, um, there actually were, I know this is going to sound amazing, there were exact, there were two black people who actually lived in my city, right? <laughs> like, like they, they, that was progress. Yeah. You know, they yeah. literally like doubled the size of the black population, you know, in 10 years, like, you know, um, and it's nothing like that now. Like it's, to be honest, most of the people who actually live there when I was a kid are, are long gone, you know, they left and, and people like me with this crazy idea of buying a building and turning it into a bar, you know, now, now basically run the town. Yeah. Generations and so. I'm sorry. Generations and time. Oh, yeah. Interesting yeah. to be able to, get old enough to see that change and be the people changing it right exactly exactly um jasmine i've, I've got a couple of quick questions for you um we talked about john prine a little bit earlier um i am not super familiar with him to be perfectly honest like i've i've 
I've heard lots of his songs. I don't think I've ever owned a John Prine album. I don't yeah. think. Um, I always like what I hear from him. Um, but in one of your interviews, you said um, something along the lines of of not wanting to to talk about like what kind of band you are or your genre, I guess. Um, and I think that the interviewer, if I remember correctly, said something along the lines of, you know, it, it's, it's got a country feel to it, right? Which it does. There's no doubt. Um, but it's not country. It's, I don't I, I'm not going to try to make you explain your, your genre because nobody wants to talk about that, you know? Um, but when I listen to like John Prine, my notes say in quotes, happy country, like that, that's basically what I put down. Right. Um, and that got me down a rabbit hole, which is, um, listening to Steve Earle, who happens to be one of my favorite artists. I mean, period. So good. Yeah. And when, when I, people ask me every once in a while, like, you know, what are your top 10 albums? And, and, um, Copperhead Road is always like, you know, in the top 10 and people are like, what, you know, that doesn't fit, you know, cause it's, for me, it's like right next to like, you know, Skinny Puppy and Sisters of Mercy and shit like that, right? Yeah. Jesus and Mary Chain, you know, so on and so forth. Um, I, I don't really have a question on that. <laughs> what, what I was really looking at is, um, what do you think about artists like, like Steve Earle? Like, they're, I guess, do you have like an affinity for, for artists like that? Because they're country, but they're not country. Yeah, uh, it's a great question. I feel so. I I'm certain that my soul is a seventy year old man. <laughs> I love so, that. <laughs> so people like Steve Earle just make sense to me, you know. Right. And and I I love that we're able to speak and and I got to be on a different podcast the other day and the same feeling of because it's country mm -hmm. country people don't get what the hell is going on here that's not right. the country is i don't even know what country is but then you have <clears throat> like i grew up in basement shows punk rock ska mosh pits metal this is mm -hmm. country only just started happening when a newspaper said i played folk music and i was like what the fuck is folk music you know and and I think that um, there's there's this whole realm. I think punk rock is a mentality, just like metal is a mentality. Mm -hmm. Be before it's a genre, and and so someone like Steve Verl is swirled up with all of these Texas folks, like Towns Van Zant and Guy Clark, and right. people are a part of John Prine and this whole network of just like. Not even good old boys, but like the Towns Van Zant leaving his extremely wealthy oil com family to mm -hmm. go be a rambler and a gambler, you know, like right. they were the punk rock people of their country towns. And then they met each other along the road and they're like, hey, man, your songs are great. Can I play that when I go to Johnson City? It's like, yeah, man, we're <laughs> right. okay, right? And so that's... John Prine, Steve Rowe, Guy Clark, all the Texas boys, all of the people that just exchange the same way you find somebody and like, that's awesome. Can I share that on this podcast or just share mm -hmm. it? So I think someone like Steve Rowe 
Steve Rill definitely is like the emo punk rocker of, of country <laughs> right. music, right? Because he's just yeah. going to, fuck you guys, I'm going to go get drunk again and like sing about this and make you uncomfortable. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, do it, dude. Um, and I I love all of them, but I again, it's beyond genre, it's more mentality. And so Steve right. Rill is being like pretty pretty basically badass and despite all of his anger and sadness mm -hmm. always using music to come out of it right and it's like cool man i don't know i don't think to me that's country i think that's like living <laughs> and yeah but steve Earl's great and i love that you love copperhead road it's such a i mean that one it's just such incredible it, album. Right? it's so heavy <laughs> yeah it is and then i was listening to uh jerusalem which yep. I, I hadn't listened to in a couple of years, I listened to it yesterday. Um, and the John Walker blues, which I know pissed off so many of his fans. Yep. Right. Yep. You know, cause basically he's saying like, kind of, I, I, I get where this guy came from. Right. Like I, I don't endorse it, but I mean, I, I get where, you know, he kind of lost his mind and, you know, did right. what he did. And yeah, it had been years since I'd listened to that and how did it feel well it's awesome i mean it's a great album yeah um and by far his most political album right like i mean he he went he went further than than I, he'd ever done you know yeah um but just an incredible fucking album you know and he's an incredible guy yeah. you know all the way around exactly and he's unabashedly him right which allowed that album to be so political where it's like dude I'm not trying to get an uproar about anything. I'm just going to tell you about how I fucking feel and see the world. Right. And like, and then tomorrow, maybe it's something different, but here it is. Here I am. Yep. Like, fuck yep. yeah, dude. I can respect that, even if I don't agree with what you're saying. Yeah, didn't he... I, I, I forget. I think it was him who, who ran blow in the, in the 70s. Wasn't that Steve Earle? I think yeah, it was. Sounds like it could have been him. I think yeah. they all were very... I well, mean, I, dude. <laughs> I I know he he wrote several songs that at least hinted at it, but I I can't remember straight up if if he's the guy who did that or not. Um, I I I know he was in prison, but I'm not quite sure why. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a details kind of gal. Like the <laughs> in the past, it's just like, oh, whoa, this happened. But uh, right, I wouldn't put it. I mean, he seems. I I I wouldn't not believe that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. Yeah. Um, Jasmine, let's start wrapping up this a little bit. Um, but okay, here's yeah. a question that I like to ask. Okay. What is something that nobody? I'm sorry. What is something about you that nobody would guess, looking at you or hearing you? Ooh, that's a good question. Go ahead. It's a hard one. Question. I love the secret parts. You know what's funny? What I asked this question. But I have no idea how I would answer it myself. Ooh, should I ask you first? Nope, nope. <laughs> That's not the way it works. <laughs> okay. Maybe round two, right? Because we're definitely going to do a round two because you're a lot of fun to talk to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all on you this time. Huh. Well, I would say probably everything that I never talk about, which is a lot. Uh <laughs> But I think that, mm, oh gosh, there's 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 so much. Which mm -hmm. one do I want to pick to tell you? 
do it stream of conscience, just like whatever comes to mind. Well, okay. So there's this big part of my life that's coming back up. I call it, we were, this is, you, you'll get it. We talked about all these things. So I call it trailer park Indians, but my grandma got really, really hell bent on our Cherokee heritage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when I was little, we, we lived like 14 people to one two bedroom trailer. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, she got really into our Cherokee heritage and for some reason we had this clubhouse by the pool and they, I called it the trailer park Indian club. And it was just like peace pipes and all kinds of trailer park Indians. And, and we would go to the woods and have these, like my grandma made us shawls and moccasins and we had naming ceremonies and it's like her name brown eyes and mine was blue swan. And and this whole, this whole element of like, because we were so many people to a small trailer, she started making us teepees. So we had teepees in this trailer park. We were wow. And it's like, and the thing is, is that it's like, um, extremely from the outside would be offensive, but mm -hmm. from the inside, it was so pure heartedly, like, like, um, fighting hard working gritty ass country white woman getting in touch with her Cherokee heritage in a trailer right. park, you know, this part of like, which, which I think has begun. This is part of wonky, right? It's just like mm -hmm. coming at it from all kinds of different angles that people would never know existed. Right. So I would get out of school and we would tour with the trailer park Indians going to other schools, telling them what it was like to be an Indian Native American, but they wow. were calling them Indians. Right. <laughs> All right. And not only, I don't realize that any of this is any different than someone's childhood until like five years ago, where it's like, oh, <laughs> this is a thing that most people don't experience, you know? Right. It's just one of those layers underneath all the other layers that doesn't really mm -hmm. get to come up because it, there's a lot that it opens up. Right. And so yeah. I would say I want to share that part right now. I, I like that. I like that. H have you ever looked into the Cherokee language? I have. When I was in Ecuador, I, hold on, let me get this. When I was in Ecuador, we did all of these like medicine songs. So I got this big shamanic drum. Oh, that's awesome. Right. And my grandma's dying of a thousand cancers. So I got that drum to go and like learn some Cherokee medicine songs and just like sing her soul to heaven. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So I've been learning a little bit of the Cherokee language, but obviously like the same way that I was a Cherokee in trailer park Indian, right? I'm right. trying to right. grasp it, but really it being so far. Wait, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's, it's very beautiful. And <laughs> the writing system that they they came up with and and i think it was fairly recent i think it was i think it was late 19th century early 20th century um when they came up with the the, the writing system um it's absolutely gorgeous you know just really pretty yeah i love that you know that <laughs> yeah well i one of my favorite books in the world is is called um apache language and culture and i oh. forget who wrote it but um, they also have a really fascinating, you know, language history and, and writing system and whatnot. Um, yeah. I never learned it because yeah. I, I... We learned about it. 
learned about it. Right, right. And I think it's because to learn a language like that, it, it's very dependent on, on being a part of right. it's cool that too. social group. Yeah. Right. It, yeah, it's like when language anyway, though, right? That's what we're talking about, like rednecks or any of these words that come from whatever cultural construct. But if we're so far away from nature or from that ancestry, right? It's very foreign. And yeah, sorry to talk yeah. for you. No, no, not at all. I love it. <laughs> it 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 reminds me of of uh, particularly when I was living back east, um, with you know Italian Americans who would be like, you know, even though they you know, seven or eight generations removed from Italy, you know, would have this like, you know, we're Italian. But when they spoke Italian, they sounded like a, you know, a mentally deficient three-year-old. Right. You know, but yet right. they were so proud of that, you know, like their Italian heritage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and Italian is definitely one of those languages where you have to be in the tribe, so to speak, you know, to, to really, you know, speak it. It's a very idiomatic language, right? Yeah. Um, so that's all really fascinating. Jasmine, I'm going to cut this, Okay. but I want to keep talking for like another two or three hours. I know. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to have you back on. Um, and we didn't talk a huge amount about your music. So obviously the next time that's what we have to talk about. This is fun. We can talk about language. Whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's. That's why I do what I do, right? It's all it's all about, you know, kind of like freeform sort of conversation and you know. Um I ran out of my my, you know, five things I was gonna talk to you about in within the first like ten minutes. So, you know, then it was more of just like, hey, let's just let's just talk. Yeah. That wasn't see where it goes. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this recording. Okay. Um but stay on for a couple of minutes, if you don't mind. Okay. And we'll go from there. Anyway, Jasmine, hey, it's awesome to talk to you. All right. I'm going to have you back on very soon. Awesome. All right. Bye now.